Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Amara Enya, Democrat Alexandra Eidenberg, Republican Stephanie Hitt, and Republican Chris Roebling. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're coming to you live from the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's brucedumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And if you want to join us on the World Wide Web, beyondthebeltway.com, the audio and video portion of the program in case you miss it on a Sunday night. And, of course, you can join us live on Facebook, Bruce Dumont, Beyond the Beltway Facebook page. And, again, we're getting a lot of people tuning in uh, on Facebook. So we have lots to talk about, as we always do. I'm very anxious to hear from those out in Radio Land as to how you felt about uh, the hearings last week in Washington, D.C. But I want to begin with one of sort of one of the many bombshell announcements last week, and that was the announcement by uh, Jeff Flake, uh, the senator from uh, Arizona, the outgoing senator. And he decided he voted for Brett Kavanaugh in the committee with a caveat that the FBI had to conduct an interview within a week. Uh, and report back because he was not automatically saying he was a yes vote when it goes before the U.S. Senate. My question to you, uh, Stephanie Hitt, you're one of our card-carrying Republicans tonight. Did Jeff Flake do a big favor for the Republican Party? You know, that's the silver lining, I guess, that people are spinning it, um, that... He's now going to take away what's become the big Democrat talking point, and that is we need to have an FBI investigation. What's going to be interesting is there's now going to be an argument about the FBI investigation itself. There's no doubt that whatever the FBI comes back with, and these are very limited in scope by their nature, anyone who's been through an FBI investigation, I have been through one, I've been the subject, I've been part of them, um, is that... um, we're not going to have the FBI deciding whether she's credible or whether or not he, they are not going to investigate these allegations. They're just merely going to take statements, which then they'll provide to the senators who will then do their own investigation, which is what we just saw. Amara Anya joins us. Amara is one of the candidates for mayor of Chicago. It's a cast of thousands. But uh, <laughs> uh, your yes. reaction to uh, the Jeff Flake move, was that a, uh, was that a life uh, life preserver for Republicans? Well, I think, as Stephanie said, it could be characterized that way. Um, I think that a lot of the talk around the FBI investigation really dominated at the last minute. I actually think it worked negatively for him on the Republican side because it was seen as almost caving in somewhat to the demands of an, of an, of an FBI investigation. And also, I think that people aren't clear as to what the scope of the FBI investigation 
is. So if there's more clarity around the scope, that it is very narrow, and that if people are thinking that this is going to be some broad sweeping investigation that's going to get to the bottom of the allegations, that might necessarily be, might not be the case. Chris Roebling, longtime Republican commentator for WGN Television and also on this program for over 30 years. Your answer to the question about Jeff Flake. I think that on balance, Flake did the Republicans a big favor, and I think that he has also pulled back a curtain on the Democrats because I don't think uh, there are Democrats on the committee who are prepared to listen to anything that comes back from the FBI. And I think most average Americans who are too busy to be in touch with the specifics of this dispute, but who have a general sense of what's going on, are going to hear that there will be an additional or a supplementary FBI background check, and they're going to hear the results of that. I think that is not going to come forward with anything either supporting the allegations of Dr. Blasey Ford or implicating the behavior of Brett Kavanaugh. So I think we're going to be back to the same spot in about a week. And I think Kavanaugh will proceed onto the bench. And this, whatever small or large cloud it it was, will will be gone. Alexandra Eidenberg, one of our other Democrats, welcome back to the program. Your reaction as a political analyst or a political operative yourself, wasn't this a good move for not only Jeff Flake, but he was throwing a lifeline to the party. Do you agree with that? You know, I think that it was an attempt for a lifeline, but what I think is going to happen is that the FBI is going to investigate and it's going to unearth more of the truth behind Ford's testimony and what's really going on, which was, in fact, that Brett Kavanaugh did assault her. And I, you know, I think that... You know, if in his reality he feels that something did not happen, which I really do stand with her, I believe her, I think that this will show that, uh, that Brett really is at fault. All right, I want to go back to uh, if, if you were on that committee and you had not yet already announced that you were voting against Brett Kavanaugh, what does the FBI have to show you for you to doubt what her, Dr. Ford's, testimony is all about? If it's he said, she said, and he has witnesses or testimony that they weren't there, they don't know anything about a party, Mm -hmm. and she has, even the people she brought forward can't corroborate her story, what is it that you have to know or hear from the FBI that would make you think twice about it? I love that question. So I think that the only thing that would really make me believe it didn't happen is if there was 100% accuracy that he was somewhere else at that time. And it's going to take a lot of proof to, you know, prove that, you know, if we're talking blackouts, not there, you know, there's been a variable of what I consider to be excuses. Um, but if there was proof that he, in fact, was not there, that I, I believed that would be. Actually, you, there, what, there is, there is what I thought was one of the heroes of the um, hearings was the Snoopy calendar. In fact, it is the best form of evidence that anyone has been able to come up with at all during this. And that the level of detail that was in there and the fact that it was contemporaneous with that time period. And it is startling that he has to defend himself against something where there is no time, no date, no location whatsoever. And so, if anything, um, she has to come up with more evidence, not him. This to me is is ridiculous. This is is the answer to Dick Durbin, uh, who is the slimy senator from the state of Illinois, 
and who, you know, in his usual unctuous manner, sort of tried to pull Brett Kavanaugh to his side and say, Brett, come on, let's cut through the Gordian knot. And right. Why don't you just tell the White House yeah. X, Y, Z? Okay. Tell Don and here is the response that Brett Kavanaugh, I'm sure 14 seconds after he finished what he did say, here's what he wanted to say or what he should have said. Hold on, Senator. Let's go back to the first week of law school. I'm not here to prove my innocence. The folks who are trying to implicate my behavior, they need to prove what they're saying. And I, I, I regret what Alexandra has said because, to me, this represents this inversion that has taken place. And this is the bigger cultural issue, much bigger than Brett Kavanaugh or Dr. Blasey Ford. The inversion of uh, the, the burden and who has the burden of going forward and who has the burden of, of proving and also... The, in my opinion, categorical mistake of representing her as representative of all women who have been violated by this horrid crime. We got a pause. 1 800 723 8029. Your reaction on what you saw last week in Washington. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we've got lots of uh, calls. We're going to go to them in just a moment. But I want to make a point because you made a point about uh, Dick Durbin right. uh, of Illinois. And, the evil uh, Dick Durbin. Uh, but, but again, he, he delivered what I believe is he delivered the dagger. I do not. I mean, politically, he delivered the, the political dagger. Yep. Kavanaugh did not respond well to that question. No, he did not. He kept saying, you know, do, what does the committee want? What right. does the committee want? Which is, which is fine. But, but the big media story that followed that, that's what triggered Lindsey Graham. Yes. And yes. Lindsey Graham went off and gave this vociferous defense of, or castigation of the Democrats. That became the lead Voice, voice yep. cut yes. on all the newscasts. Yep. All the lead stories were about that. Had he not done what he did when he did it, Dick Durbin would yep. have been all over the place. And in that right. point, there would have been, I think, Kavanaugh would have looked worse. Yes. Because right. the people that casually just tune it in, they would have seen what to them was a simple question asked of him, right. and well, he didn't and, handle and it. And that's yeah. the thing is, what Dick Durbin did is, although you say he delivered the dagger, he set off what... Um, for many people watching it, thought was the, the the real moment, and that was Lindsey Graham. Yes. And um, set it up. And to be honest, I personally um, never thought I'd say that Lindsey Graham is right now my favorite senator. 
And But oh, what is painful. interesting is he was responding to what has become what I've been calling the Moby Dick of all red herrings, and that's this FBI investigation. Um, I think you've been through one as well. What the, the All that that does is provide information, just statements about what people have to say they do not investigate the claim. They do but not here, look me, for the veracity. They ask, do not look for what happened. It goes to the committee for them to do their own investigation, right. which is what they just did. I want to ask, I want to ask a follow-up, though. It seems to me that the, that the two most important witnesses, one is Mark Judge, yes. and the other is the, the, the young lady who was a very good friend of Dr. Ford's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and said that she right. stands by her, but she can't vouch for the story. She doesn't. She had right. never heard the story contemporaneously. So it seems to me those are the two witnesses that if I was in the FBI, that's where I would be going. Mm-hmm. And I don't know because, again, uh, to some extent, Kavanaugh uh, kind of threw uh, Mark Judge under the bus by talking about his drinking problems and his dependency yeah. problems. Uh, and, and, again, he's, he's given two statements on it now. He wrote a book on it. I mean, he's, he's acknowledged the, the public drinking problems or the alcohol problems that he had. But, but here's my point. If you're, if you're an FBI witness, are you going to be able to just rely on your written statement? Is that your statement? Are they going to be able to, in, under cross-examination uh, or examination of Ju- Mark Judge, are they going to be able to crack him in some way? Well, they're not. Their job isn't necessarily to cross-examine the people that they interview. I think that's what people are thinking, that somehow the, uh, the, the FBI people are going to be the investigators and they're going to parse their – they don't look to parse apart the statement. They just take the statement. They're an intake. It sounds but here's the thing. In the gathering of the statements, what is going to happen is that we're going to see very clearly that Dr. Ford's statements are true. And I would just like to go back real quick and say that Dick Durbin is one of the most amazing men and a fantastic senator. I am still disheartened that anyone would think he was anything but that. Um, but I truly feel Less that than the majority of the people in America believe that. Go ahead. Thank you. I will still stand that Dick Durbin is great people. He, he uh, means a lot to you. Yes, yes. You know, I, I've been very Campaign impressed by him. You? Did right. he campaign with but, you no, when you ran for office? No. Okay. Uh, well, he, well, I'm, I'm just saying. Here's the thing, though. Let's so not talk about his credibility because we won't no, get No, but I feel on. like he was, you know, said some damaging things to him, so I just wanted to be very clear that I'm a fan of him. But I think that the biggest thing going on, and you keep saying that, you know, they're not going to be doing the investigating, they're going to be doing data collection, and they're going to get all of these statements, and it's yes. not just from them. It's not just from those two people. It's going to be from a lot of people, and the more statements that are gathered, the more it is going to and further I, the cause. Okay, may I say, I, I just or, don't I, – I've never been a law enforcement person, and so I don't know the insides of how these investigations uh, play out. But this is a background investigation. This is not a criminal investigation, nor is it a national security investigation. So the agents, the field agents who are out there, are in an intake function. So they sit down, they listen, they're going to, and they might ask probing questions to get the responses. I just don't, I, I, I know that you believe in your heart that there is going to be adduced evidence supporting Dr. Blasey Ford's assertions. I understand that. 
I don't see where that's going to come from. And I don't think that that's a Could political or ideological or, or, or gender-based or race-based. What is going on here goes way past. I mean, we are seeing in the New York Times and the Washington Post a race-based attack on Brett Kavanaugh. He's a Wait, white how man. how is there a race-based anything against well, a white man? Let me, let me tell there you. There is no are, racism towards white men. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, the op-eds in the New York Times and in the Washington Post today are he is a white male losing his privilege, and that was indicated <laughs> well, by his explosion. Well, I, I, by I don't way, think I wanna, that that I, is. I, 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 I want to just follow up on one thing, and then I want to get Amara up. I think the, the, the one answer or the, where some answers might come from that either could uh, uh, be uh, ad, ad veracity to her charges right. or be completely you know, exculpatory, and that is her parents. I don't even know whether his, her parents are alive yet still, but her parents, I would think, might have known about something when she got home. That's one point. The other thing which is questionable, if you're 15 years old, as she alleged she was when this happened, when you're 15, there's a small group of people who drive, who have cars. So right, if, if she right. was at that party, her right. father could have picked her up, her mother right. could have picked her up, or, 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 or probably, again, Some friend maybe, from the swim five, club. maybe right. five or six right. people right. on earth yeah. were part of that clique. That picked people up when they needed a ride. So you might be she, right. When she can't tell who drove her home, I think getting the answer to that question should be easy. And again, that person could then tell a story oh, as to what is the point it. that you are making about the to the point about how her story would be corroborated. I do think that there's a possibility that there is someone or some people who have not been talked to or have, who have not been in contact. The FBI has not been in contact with them who could provide additional details as they're gathering information. You mentioned her parents. It could be friends. It could be someone who's probably watching this all play out and is still deciding whether or not they want to jump into the fray or be involved in that. So there are a whole host of possibilities out there. But to the, to the point about how uh, Brett Kavanaugh is being characterized in the press, I don't think, I think the response is actually more so to how he responded to the questions and how he comported himself throughout the hearings. When we talk about privilege, that the way that he responded, his demeanor, uh, his ability to keep yes. his composure, it, 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 to me, it's, it was on the side of being petulant. And so I think that's what's sparking some of the responses to him about It fed a perception of prep school boys, frat boys. It, it fed a perception. He looked the part. Well, if you called central yeah. casting, yes. they might have sent but him here's, over. But here's the thing. That right now is the most dangerous thing that you can be right now Absolutely. is a white, conservative, upper middle class male right now that right now in the in the narrative that's out there let me make this very clear i i have no doubt in my mind that this was a concerted effort to find a way to find something that may or may not stick to this particular nominee and it fits in with narratives that we've seen before let's go back to the duke lacrosse UVA right, right. fraternity. Right. UVA fraternity. Same exact types of allegations. But even, I feel those like were, those as, were as a white and woman, you're ridiculous. propping up the patriarchy. This is the problem. If you're going to feel bad no, for I'm white men realistic. as a white woman, I am not a, an angry person who thinks here's that thing, every man is a we rapist. We cannot feel bad for white men right now. And I really? feel as... I have a couple sons that I worry uh, here, about. And I have some sons, too. 
and I am also white. And I think that where our role in society is right now is not feeling sorry for ourselves, but being a part of the reality that our privilege also has to come with standing up for others. I, you have and to, I wait, don't, wait, wait, I, wanna, I will privilege. not ask, feel bad Mara for what does privilege mean? I want to ask Mara a question. Thing is ridiculous. I want to ask, uh, within the black communities that you talk with on a regular basis, is this an important story? I mean, do, do black men and black women at this moment in time, do they look at this issue differently than the white communities of America? Well, I think so. The interesting thing is last week, in addition to the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, we also had Bill Cosby, who yeah. was sentenced and is going to prison under the same. It, it seems to, to be a lot of similarities in circumstances. Right. And so from that perspective, a no, lot of no, it no, is. No, not at all. The allegations are completely different. What I'm Let's saying, I'm not, I'm not yeah, talking about yeah, my yeah, yeah. view. I'm saying these are the conversations that are happening because everyone doesn't have a detailed legal analysis of what is happening in Ka- Cosby's case or Kavanaugh's case. Right. What they're seeing is two cases of two men who are being accused of sexual assault or some other sexual violence, and what they're seeing is how the, the difference in how they're being handled. See, One is going to prison, and the other is doing going this. Going to the Supreme Court. This, I, I, want, I, I, want to, I, I just want to get back to this. I don't think this is a question of feeling sorry for white men or feeling sorry for white women like Dr. Blasey Ford. That, that, this is not, that's not society. Society is redeeming the rights or upholding the rights of the individual. So here in this case, I believe we've got two individuals who have been terribly wronged, in my opinion. One is Dr. Blasey Ford somewhere back in 1982 or whatever the year was. And she apparently was the victim of violence at that time. And for a lot of reasons that we all should be sensitive to and culturally aware of, she, her rights were not upheld. Okay, And she carry, she's carried that with her to her to this day and her wishes were not either and then Kavanaugh on the other side is a guy who is you know in a different path and I believe that Kavanaugh's rights have been tossed aside by the Democrats on the committee got a pause 1-800-723-8289 calls when we come back everyone loves vacationing in Florida so why not experience it as it was meant to be where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's go to calls. Let's go to Kevin listening to us or uh, watching us on uh, on YouTube tonight. Go ahead, Kevin, from Chicago. Are we on YouTube? You are everywhere, man. We're on YouTube. We're on Vimeo. We're on Facebook. Facebook? We're everywhere. Where yeah. did you know that? How many platforms do you own? Uh, <laughs> the only thing I I'm working on carrier pigeons. Okay. That's, right. That's the yeah. next one I'm we working on. Yeah, we got to get All right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Kevin, thanks for watching us tonight. Go ahead. You have a question. Hello, are you there? 
Going once. <laughs> well, he's not there. So he much have so the much talk back. Let's oh, go. Whoop, there we go. That was Let's him. go to Aaron <laughs> listening to us in New York City on the internet. Go ahead. Hello, Aaron. Aaron, are you there? Hello, hello. Have we checked <laughs> the phone lines tonight? Okay. Uh, do we have a problem? Is uh, can somebody tell me if we have a pro- we well? I I think we do have a problem. Let's go to one more place. We've tried Chicago. We've tried New York. Let's drop down a few. Nashville. How about Nashville, Tennessee? Are you there, Rick? Rick. Oh, there's definitely a problem. Rick, yeah. are you there? Okay. Well, we're going to have our engineers uh, look and find out what our what our problem is. But uh, uh, by the way, uh, we should just mention uh, big uh, big news in Chicago. Uh, the Cubs won. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers won today. The Rockies uh, won. The one, Dodgers won. So there are going to be two uh, tie-breaking games, one in Chicago at Wrigley Field tomorrow and one at Dodger Stadium tomorrow as well. So Holy moly. Uh, tomorrow, it's, uh, that's the way Abner yeah. Doubleday figured yeah. it out. Anyway, Chris, you were making I a just, point. I, I think that we have to see this. Be, uh, first of all, the, the Supreme Court seat is vastly significant, and, and what happens to Kevin. I just think that society has got to see this not as a clash of categories, not as a class, clash of classes in society, i.e. white men or, or all single women or young women who have been uh, violated by the crime, the violent crime of, of sex abuse. It, it, we have got to uphold individuals whose rights have been right. uh, traduced. Okay? That's what we have to do. And I, and I think what's happening here is the Democrats have, have very slyly turned things on their head so that they, they have got an enormous number of people who are supporting Dr. Blasey Ford because they themselves have been hurt I've, and they've been injured. And there is an ocean of injury out there. And that's a very important societal point. I think we should perhaps pay attention to how uh, Kavanaugh was coached because, again, a lot of the response to him was his responses to the questions. Now, understanding that whether or not he believes the allegations are true, he should at least have enough sense to know that this is a very serious matter and that the way that there is a right to actually ask these questions, especially if he's being prepared to sit on the Supreme Court. Now, for those of us who watched the hearings, his responses were very petulant. It was almost as though the, he could believe the audacity to be asked these questions. Well, yes, being accused is a serious matter. However, you are preparing to be on the Supreme Court. And had he been coached, in my opinion, a little bit more effectively, perhaps he would not have come across as someone who can't, who, who, who feels that it's, it's wrong or how dare they actually ask me well, these I, questions. I don't see how he was coached at all. I think what we saw in reality was a man who is, is, is rightfully so, um, angry and frustrated by having his his name and his family smeared. And what's really interesting is the, going back to Chris's point, the 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 new the new buzzword right now is that um, in a sense we suspend the rights due the accused because if you are seeking a lifetime appointment, this is a job interview and not a criminal trial. And that's the new buzzword. So I, 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 I want to remind our listeners out there that um, the way that the Democrats, who have very clearly stated before this hearing that it was the burden on him to disprove, to prove his innocence because of what he was seeking, that somehow that's justified now with a new thing, uh, well, this isn't a criminal case. We only reserve the rights for the accused. 
used for criminal cases. And that's where, as a society, we really, really need to be watchful. This is very dangerous. So you spoke about this being uh, a job interview, and I totally agree with that comment. What's interesting is that in most job interviews, if there is even a mention that there was any sexual harassment, possible rape, any kind of abuse, you would have gone to the next candidate. I don't even think we would have entertained it at this level. I happen to be a small business owner, and even if it was hearsay that a candidate I was looking at had done something like this, I would have been onward and upward. I just, I really, I feel like the fact that we've gotten to this juncture well, but is, is the critical problem. He is not fit to be a Supreme Court justice. And so, in, so if just and a, when he does so, so, get it. So just a, just a charge is good enough for you. Hearsay, a rumor. So here's Some, the thing. I, know, I feel I'm, like unsupported allegations. Unsupported here's the thing, and I'm, I'm talking to you as a business owner. If yeah. if I'm going through a series of candidates, and I have, you know, somebody who's telling me this person who you know, yeah. abused yeah. them, yeah. I don't, you know. For me, it's time to look at the next candidate. Well, there are ways that you want to, you know, that you, I mean, you have to be careful in doing that. I understand as business owners, you don't want to be liable, so you kind of just walk away. However, we are not talking about a job interview in the same way. You said it was a job interview. No, I said the Democrats are using the description of this as a job interview, as a way to cover up their argument that he does not deserve the same I gotta, rights. I follow, I'll follow you. So, D- because, yeah. you, because you just said what you would do in your own life as a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Then would it be all right for uh, a male uh, human resources officer to say, you know what, I'm not going to hire that woman. It's just it could be another sexual harassment issue. I'm going to hire the guy. But there's not I mean, what's, been what's someone wrong, who's complained about something yet. What's wrong with that thinking? Yet? I feel like that's very different. In your example, there's not been somebody who's had a complaint against somebody. So, it, you know, if someone had said that, you know, I, you know, I have some kind of issue that I'm coming to the table with, that's different than, you know, she's female, she might complain. I mean, I feel like that's the issue we keep talking about is that women are complaining and that heaven forbid they complain. Do you think the same thing? No, no, no. The same thing be said for an African American. And it was somebody would say, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to hire this African American because you know it would be tough to get rid of him if he doesn't work out because he'll. These cry are just two totally different conversations. Well, though. I know, but I think, yeah, <laughs> if, 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 if you're hiring, if so, if you're thinking of, if you have a pool of candidates and you are making a decision about who you want to hire, if someone came and said this candidate assaulted me or whatever, because you have this pool of candidates, the like, if I were a business owner, I would say, okay, well, let me move that person to the side and focus on the pool of candidates who don't have any taint, even if it hasn't been, we haven't gone through a full investigation, because you have a pool of candidates. Gonna, uh, go ahead and make a point, then I want to move on to another subject. Well, I think this is uh, what, what individual business owners do in their own interest because of liability is one thing. What we're doing in this case is acting as a nation, acting as a society, and we're trying to vindicate the rights of both Dr. Ford or Dr. Blasey Ford and Kavanaugh. So we've got a much bigger balancing requirement than does the local independent business person. I'll, I'll leave well, it I don't disagree. Would, would I mean, anybody, obviously, uh, much different scale, but I definitely feel that if we have somebody who's been implicated in this way and we keep trying to push them in, what does that say for us as a nation? Well, does that not, say but, that but we support? But, no, no, Alex. What it says is an unsupported allegation is insufficient to overturn a lifetime of preparation 
the greatest hiring record for professional right. women, 310. Highest ratings. The, 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 the highest ratings get. in the ABA, the 310 uh, 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 decisions the years that he of wrote, jurisprudence. the 13 yes. decisions that he came up with, the reasoning of which was then adopted by the Supreme Court, including by, voted for by, members of the Supreme Court who had been put on the court by Democratic presidents. How? And, so and this by his, is a record, guy who is and his record with women qualified. and women. He's put more women I wanna, on the okay, Supreme Court right, as wanna, clerks than anyone else. In other words, else. character I mean, does count. Unbelievable. Allegations yeah. don't count as much as character. Okay? That's the fundament, That's the crux here that the Democrats are trying to obscure. And I believe purely speaking, for turnout in November. Speaking yes. of character, okay, Dr. Ford didn't want this information. She didn't want to be associated with the story. She wanted to get the story out without her fingerprints on it. That was initially the case. So when she went and, and offered her comments to her local congressman and the woman and then also to Diane Feinstein, it then got out. This is a woman that didn't want to be thrust into the limelight. And somebody, probably a Democrat, likely on Diane Feinstein's staff or one of her lawyers, who was recommended by Dianne Feinstein, someone took it upon themselves to release the information. It wasn't Dr. Ford. They violated her confidence. Someone, the person that violated her confidence, was a Democrat. Are, are you upset with that? I'm not aware of what that looked like exactly. I just explained <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Very you well. Understand. There isn't much there more. There are no Republicans. I think that what, what is um, very difficult, and I will say that, you know, um, me too, I've had my own really horrible experiences, yeah. and it really changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. I really understand um, that Dr. Ford would not want to share this so publicly. I think the reason why women and men are so uh, intensely reacting to this is because nobody wants to share their story this way. Um, And so if we want to say that it's Democrats that push their hand, I don't think that we could have a credible, you know, experience or understand her situation without her personally saying it. Okay, but here's here's the point. But but, 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 here's the point. Here's the point. You you have, again, we don't know whether it was a man or a woman that released the information, but they went to the member of Congress, who was a female. They went to the senator. Mm-hmm. Okay. There had to be some women somewhere involved in this communication. And here was a woman who wanted her story out. She wanted to get her story out even before Judge Kavanaugh was appointed by President uh, Trump. Well, that was her initial goal. She stated that. I want to come back. I don't know how true that is, but that's what she said. And then somebody in that thing said, you know what? The hell with this woman's story. This is dynamite political power. This is a dynamite, this is a piece of dynamite for us politically. And they said, the hell with her. Let's 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 out her. And that's what they did back shortly. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. 
relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton, Los Angeles, Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We're going to try again to see if the phones work. Grant in Austin, Texas, listening on KLBJ. Are you there? Grant, on line one, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Yes, go ahead with your question. Okay. (laughs) All right, I'm glad you guys can hear me. Good. All right, so one thing that I wanted to say was that I think the word credible is being used and thrown around to mean much more than it is. I hear ever. Okay. Oh, dear. Oh, shoot. We don't know anything. Are you there? Let's talk about credibility. Yeah, talk yes. about credibility. She was sympathetic. Yeah. She was sincere. credible. She was sincere. I didn't have any doubt about the fact that she was speaking from some experience. And I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like she was in any way gaming the circumstance. And, 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 and that was the first thing I was looking for. Because not knowing her at yeah. all, I wondered if she was you know, a Democratic operative who was really kind of wheedling into this thing. But right. I, I would say within five minutes, you knew that this was this was a, a, a person of substance right. who had undergone a, a terrible uh, circumstance. And so or was a great yeah, actress. Well, I don't think she was an actress. I thought that she was for real. And I think right. something terrible happened to her in 1982 or what, whatever the year was. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that she is accurately depicting events that transpired well okay. and what's interesting is um and you know we, we haven't really talked about the prosecutor rachel mitchell and her role in mm-hmm. all of this however um one of the things that um she did say when she came out and said she was asked pointedly you know how how sure are you that it was brett kavanaugh but and she says 100 percent. but she also said she was sure that her friend leland she was sure that pj and she was sure that mark judge was there the question I would have said, well, how sure are you that they were there? She probably would have said 100%, and if not. But the problem is she says she's sure that they were there, and they all three have refuted that account. And yet we believe her when she says she's sure about one person. But somehow we've discounted well, I, the fact. I don't, I don't what believe I find her about Brett really, Kavanaugh any more than I believe her about Judge or about Leland or about Well, and PJ. I guess that's, that's I what that I find, you know, let's not, let's not be caught up in the, how, how sure she was was Brett Kavanaugh because she also said she was sure about three other people who have flat, including her best friend, who have flatly denied this. Would you agree? Kavanaugh. I'm going to make a point. Yeah. Uh, when, when she gave her, her testimony, uh, I thought, frankly, she was terrific. I thought yeah. she was very credible. Right. Uh, and I said, oh, my heavens, what is, you know, yeah. what's Kavanaugh going to do uh, if he if he acted like he did on the interview with Martha McCallum? I think he's dead in the water because yep. I, I thought he was, yep. he was listless in that interview. But then he comes on and he gives he sits in the chair and he's raring to go. Yeah. And I think he, he's going on all four pistons. And I'm saying, you know what? This guy made a comeback. Yeah. Yes. Then they started to ask questions. And, and Ara is right. Yeah. I think he lost he, it. He crossed the line, and he was going right down the yes. shooter until uh, I mean that Graham. He he would the high water mark of Democratic opposition was the exchange with Durbin, yes. and at that moment he was toast. He was gone until 
Lindsey Graham rehabilitated. I think that I've only spent a lifetime literally going back to high school at, you know, committee hearings and things like this. I have never, ever seen anyone get close to what Kavanaugh did with those senators. It is so inappropriate that he's, I believe, the only one who will ever get away with it. And he didn't really get away with it. And I don't think that he should get away with it in the sense of I still think he belongs on the court. But the way that he treated those senators was not was not right. And it was wrong. And he should not have done that. I think that his I think that his response and reaction is telling. And even as the we're this whole thing is playing out and we're focused on these allegations, it's also how he's conducting himself throughout that is actually more telling about who he is as a person than perhaps the the actual allegations that are being investigated. The other thing, when we talked about the certainty of her being sure that it was Brett Kavanaugh and the other people that were at the party, but the the issue that I see is that there are two extremes. So she's 100% sure that Brett Kavanaugh was there. And he, on the other side, is saying, I'm 100% sure that this never happened, I, I'm not involved, etc. And so how how what is the veracity of his claim that he's 100% on the opposite side? And I think that's where you're seeing this huge disconnect. She sure it was him and he's flatly denying that there's any possibility that it could have been him. But then we look at other factors and what we do have is three other people's statements that this never happened and his calendar. And, you know, let's not forget those actually in in the absence of more evidence, become the evidence. And I think people are disregarding things in your calendar and then not do them. I'm just asking. Do you ever put things in well, your I calendar? Don't keep a calendar like that. Or but, put, I or do. not put these but on his, calendar. But his calendar was yeah. remarkably consistent. No, I just want to understand that. His well, calendar was remarkably consistent yeah. and thorough. And over years, this my calendar is remarkably thorough, and moment. it has been for years. But yeah. it doesn't. But, you know, but you're not. not but, you're, uh, but you're not suggesting that he would have put that in his calendar. So, he, so I just yeah. I think that it's the calendar is not self-authenticating. So he he is now introducing. He's saying, look. In 1982, I kept this calendar. For one thing, we all know the FBI could find out almost to a physical science certainty whether or not that thing has been written on since 1982. So that's number one. So physically, they can say, hey, look, there's nothing that's been written on here since 1980. Okay, well, let's say that they do that. But when he says on the 1st of July he was with Smith and Jones and Sam and Susie and Sally or whatever the heck he says – the calendar gets authenticated, not for the fact that it's written, although that is it's very persuasive evidence. But the FBI now goes to Smith and Sally and Susie and Jones and says, you know, do you have any recollection of this? Do you remember the so the the calendar creates its own dynamic that then tends to be either exculpatory or inculpatory. Right. I mean, it, it's either he's either going to, you know, strengthen his case or weaken it. But now that he's given it over, you as an opponent can so feel he, good that he's going to get the, ba- the the benefit of that bargain, whatever it is, good or bad for so him. So you feel like, and we, the gentleman who called in, he was talking about credibility. You felt like her story was credible. You believed what she was saying. You just didn't believe yeah. it was about Brett. Right. You believe right. it's about somebody else and her memory is incorrect about her experience. I think, I think she wonder, underwent an enormous trauma, and I think she's probably dealing with PTSD. Well, anyway, I'm happy on that PTSD note, we uh, have to pause at this point in our broadcast. Our thanks to Amara and Alexandria and Stephanie and uh, Chris 
for joining us in hour number one. They will be back for hour number two. We will continue this conversation because we have a lot of callers on the line. And also in our next hour, we're going to be joined by Bill Schneider, the well-known political analyst and commentator. He's going to be with us to talk about a new book that explains why people voted the way they did in 2016, but more importantly, how they are likely to vote for the next 20 years. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station, or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's work, weekend update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back. We continue from Chicago. And everybody's laughing. I didn't even say a joke. We got all of our audience. They're, they're laughing at me. Uh, let's no, go. they are not. 
just like the president of the U.N. Let's go to David listening to us in San Francisco on the Internet. Go ahead, David. Oh, thanks, Bruce, and uh, your guest. You know, uh, judicial temperament to me is uh, one of the first things. Uh, seeing him not only badgering, uh, was it? Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Senator Klobuchar. But then threatening Democrats. Uh, threatening? In, in I didn't Dakota. hear threat. Right. I mean, the idea that this guy hasn't got the judicial temperament. I would hate to think that this guy, if he looked at your you know, party affiliation before your case came to trial and decided well, that all Democrats... You know, what is this, Larry? No, this is David. David, 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 David. I just want to say there, there isn't a hint of that in of any... There is, I'm sorry, there isn't a hint of that in his service of 12 years on the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals... There isn't a hint of that in the American Bar Association unanimous, which let me say unanimous because on the federal uh, uh, judicial selection or, or rating committee, there are liberal Democrats, there are conservative Republicans. There isn't a hint of but, that. But, but, Chris, in the wake of the hearings and in the wake of this, the way this whole thing has come out against him, which he has described as character assassination affecting his, his wife, his mother, and his daughters— doesn't that affect somebody? In other words, I said a couple of weeks ago in this program when he was going through the confirmation process, I said on this program, I said, you know, Republicans are going to rue the day because this guy, to me, this is a couple of weeks ago, this guy, to me, could be another David Souter. Conservatives may be thinking that he's going to be the great guy that goes out and overturns all these things. They may be very disappointed in him. That was my thought. Now, ha- having, having thou watched what happened to him in the two weeks since I said that on this program? I mean, would anybody be surprised that that he may be a hardliner now against Roe v. Wade, more hardliner than anybody I think he, thought he would? He sort of fed into that again because of how he how he handled the hearings. I think making right. it him, he did not necessarily have to fall into the political rhetoric. We understand that on both sides, people are saying that this is a, a, a ruse by the Democrats, and on the other side, well, this is the Republicans. But he, as the, as the person sitting for those hearings, did not necessarily have to go down that path. And I think when he did right. that, it gave it, it, it made it look as though he was partisan here's what, as well. Here, here's what switched it, though. This is why I think I agree with what you said, but here's what happened. Watch what, you're, watch what we were all watching. The Democrats were playing their five minutes for politics. The Republicans were turning over their five minutes uh, to, to Miss Marshall, Miss Marshall, uh, Mitchell. Rachel Mitchell, Rachel Mitchell, Rachel Mitchell. And, and she was doing her fact-finding. She wasn't playing any politics. There was no Republican playing politics. And I think he might have said to himself, hey, and then even the first question or two from Miss Mitchell to Judge Kavanaugh was fact-finding. It was fact-finding. And I'm saying, you know, she doesn't look like she's out there throwing him any kind of a lifeline. So she's not playing politics. And I'm thinking, what's going through his mind? And he might have got to the point where he says, damn it, I'm getting killed up here because the Republicans aren't playing. They're not saving me. They're not playing it politically like the other side. And by golly, I'm going to start playing it politically. Well, and and two people the fact that Mitchell yeah. even was hired to do this is just, you know, one of the things I think is very enlightening. We have all of these, back to the white male topic, all of these white males who are supposed to be doing the questioning. But we had to hire a female to, you know, so, soften the situation. Do you have a problem with that? Because I totally I mean, do. Okay. Why can't you just 
just so you'd do rather your job. have the white males asking their I questions? I think that the problem is, is it is all white males. Why are like well, we that's, just, it's like well, all that's white what elections males. are well, for? Yeah. But well, I think you the haven't, thing is, yes, you haven't won, you haven't won enough you elections. Do, you're damned you if you don't. Elections. I mean, I found that I actually thought that I mean, it, I was frustrated in a way with thing, the way things went with Rachel Mitchell. However, I felt like at the end of the day that the 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 republicans did a very smart thing and that is they did never gave the democrats the optic they were hoping for and that was white older men picking on this woman and everyone knew why and they said you know we're here to get the facts and they actually hired the optic the optic that they were also worried about was the i go back to my first question i and I know there's a lot of people listening that are not going to like what I had to say, what I have to say, and that is, I think Jeff Flake saved the day. Yeah. Because what, was, what was going yeah. to happen I, because, because there was the, a, the, the, the Judiciary yeah. Committee was going to look like they rolled over this woman. Right. That's the way it would have been perceived. Right. And, 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 and also, I think Jeff Flake knew, hey, the two women on our side – they're not gonna. They're not gonna buy this. They're not gonna. They're not gonna like right, the way right. the judiciary committee acted. And he said, "Wait a minute, I'll vote with a caveat. We're going to have this investigation." He buys a little more time for Collins and Murkowski to come over to his side and maybe Mansion. I, I think because, that's right. Well, I think I think he ends up getting. Yeah. I think he ends up getting fifty. I think he's now in the with Donnelly committing. Yeah political suicide and the and the guy in uh, Alabama can committing political suicide there no mansion is still Mansion's undecided still, yeah. so so you've got Donnelly and the Alabaman are going uh, against him right I think you're going to see him in the end with 52 53 votes something like that uh, and I think that it is I think flake was very frustrating to fellow Republicans yes right. I also think flake was set up by Soros uh, payrollers uh, and and that whole exchange for CNN on the elevator, yeah. but the but the fact is, they got to the point where and this is you hand it to Durbin again. I mean, Durbin came through on both the Democratic side and on the Republican side. He asked her what, how certain are you are? She says a hundred percent. We're quoting Durbin's question, her answer to Durbin's question. Mm-hmm. And on the on the uh, on the Brett Kavanaugh side, he made it impossible for the regular person sitting at home to understand why aren't they doing the FBI background check. None of them understand the 302s. None of them right. understand the procedure. Right. None of them understand that the FBI is not going to decide this question. They just say, why aren't they doing the FBI? I mean, gosh, that's what the FBI is for. Okay, fine. Right. So now we're going to do it, and we've got to make the most of it, I think, as a Republican, and he'll go it's on the, the court. Fair, right. So during the fairness, uh, have to they, put up they, with, they stole, with criticism of the FBI investigation. They, that they will, the Democrats will never that be satisfied. They stole, they, yes. they, what they did is they stole the fairness issue back. Right. Because right. The, the, the Democrats, I think, lost the fairness issue about outing her yes. and, right. and leaking the yes. information. So that didn't look like fair to the average person. On the other side, asking for a, a delay of four or five days or a week uh, to bring in the FBI, I think uh, fair-minded people will say, well, what's wrong with that? Right. right. Yeah, I think most people would say, I mean, for the, again, for the layman, the person at home who doesn't have right. the background knowledge uh, in any of this, they are asking, well, why not do an investigation? If And even for Kavanaugh, if, if you are 100% certain that you are not the 
person that Dr. Blasey Ford is referring to, then why not just go through, follow the full procedure so that you can move on? Well, as he has said, I'm now co- I'm cooperating fully with the FBI. And, and he I think said that he, he would, will. And even during his testimony, he said, I'll do whatever the committee wants to do. Right. I'll do whatever these people decide. But, you know, let's, let's kind of go back to this. And, and I think what's really tainted all this is... Let's not forget why we were even here, and that is Feinstein. This subterfuge, yes, you said it, Feinstein. She should be censured. What she did was just horrific. She met with him privately, nev- while she was hiring attorneys for this. Commission. And she's losing back home. Her poll results have gone down against the progressive that, guy who's I mean, the, uh, the about social. Bad guy in this is Feinstein, and she took away any We've got fairness. A we got to pause. Bad day for DiFi. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Uh, We've got, folks, we've got John in uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. He's uh, sending me this text. Uh, Beyond his solid testimony, the thing I admire most about Judge Kavanaugh's handling of the circumstances of the past week is his willingness to endure the slings and arrows and go to the mat. He reminded me of Justice Thomas. Yay! Uh, Let's go to Mike listening to us in Sacramento, California. Go ahead, listening to us on KTKZ. Go ahead. Uh, yes, hello. Thank you so much. Good. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Mike out of Sacramento, and I've watched uh, enough here in California to change from a lifelong Democrat into becoming somebody else. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, this uh, travesty, which was, like, foisted upon us over the national airwaves, radio waves, whatever, was, was so horrifying and so reminiscent of the Judge Clarence Thomas thing that um, I've been altered from somebody that's just kind of griping about my former party's uh, uh, actions. I'll use that word to keep it nice and clean. You are now ticked Uh, off. Yeah, now I'm going to help every Democrat, I mean, every Republican candidate. I'm going to donate to every Republican candidate. I'm going to work my butt off. Well, and Cal- is, if you're going to work for Republicans in California, you've got quite a job before you. But, Mike, thank you for your call. Let's go to Carolyn. Let's go all the way down to St. Petersburg, Florida, listening to us tonight on the Internet. Go ahead. Hey, Bruce. Love your show as always. Been thank you. For a long time. Good. Um, oh. With his demeanor and cross really strong, I've talked to friends, and a lot of people think he was ranting. I think you have to remember, as it has been said, that he 
everything he's gone through and his family and children. Yeah. The other thing, I yes. took the time after this started the other day, and I looked, and I saw, and I'm not a big, I don't watch television, but I did put some television on, and I saw clips, and I saw the dates, July 10th, July 23rd, and the Democrats were slamming him then, and I mean strong. And I was like, well, God, no wonder the guy, and then all of this comes out. I do have to say, I've had to testify for work before. I think how he responded to the senators and his comments was wrong. But overall, everything this person has gone through has been horrendous. And I am disgusted with politics. Actually, I was a Trump voter when there were 17 of them there. I was for Trump because I'm tired of the politicians. And that's why Trump got my vote from day one. You can ask many of my friends. I backed him. And then when I saw those Democrats, July 10th and 23rd, everyday people were disgusted with it. Mm -hmm. Those people are getting money, our tax dollars, and that's how they go to work. It's disgusting. Carolyn, how do you, you've identified yourself as a Trump voter. Uh, I assume you believe that the president has handled this matter uh, well? I actually, I was. I have to commend him because uh, I have. I was a Trump voter, and his demeanor. Uh, I wish I could be in his office and tell him. I I think he's over the past two years. Um, he. I want him to shine. I don't want mm-hmm. him to give the Democrats a morsel right. to complain about. I want him to play the game. He dresses sharp. Get up there and talk and hold your comments yep. to the side. I yep. wish he would, because I think he is outstanding, except for that. And he's got to save that for his personal business. Yeah. So I'm just Stephanie, I, I want to go. Carolyn, thanks for your call. Stephanie, what do you think of the way the president is handling this? I actually this? think um, he is surprisingly uh, quiet on this one. I mean, for, for Trump, yeah. his tweets. Um, you know, he's been going out there and... Um, I think like Carolyn, you know, a Trump voter, but sometimes cringe on, you know, when he comes out with some comments and there are some things there that, you know, I wish he'd kept private. He tends to, you know, speak before he thinks sometimes or uh, or I don't quite understand what he's getting at. It doesn't mean that he isn't effective. However, um, I do think that he's done a good job of saying let, you know, he was told pretty early on. By Lindsey Graham, no less. Stay out of this. This is the Senate's job, and he's actually listening. Yeah. And, um, and he went for the. And he he came with. Made and he's very positive the FBI about the FBI, quickly. which and is again, funny. I think yeah. it's going to be really very important that he's he's got to because he's criticized the FBI leadership so much. Exactly. He's got to. I think he's got to play. You know. The irony low of that by, is is by, not missed by postponing yeah. by postponing his meeting with Rosenstein. Yeah. He's showing he understands. Yes. That the Supreme Court seat is all of the marbles and right. Rosenstein is not going anywhere and he can be fired or kept two weeks from now. And on that's the, the right way. On the political front, I want to ask our Democrats um, uh, whether they agree or disagree. Uh, the I Spartacus moment of Cory Booker a couple of weeks ago, I thought turned him into a laughing stock uh, <laughs> as he sought the Democratic <laughs> nomination. But... Last week, or last week in the Q&A, I thought he did a pretty good job of making a case. He made a comeback last week insofar as credibility, as far as I'm concerned. And Camilla Harris has been like a non-entity. Do you agree with that? Well, so I – Corey – I mean, I – 
I'm going to reserve my feelings about Cory Booker. I thought that I actually was paying more attention to Kamala Harris, who I think always does an excellent job uh, in hearings. She's always been, I think, not a non-entity. I think she's always been a strong and distinctive voice within the party that is actually on the rise. And so that's actually who I was paying more attention to than But she than didn't Senator do Booker. much with her time. Do you think she did much with her time? I think she asked some pointed questions. And, you know, to me, it's not always about the grandstanding. It's not always about trying to be to grandstand. I think she asked pointed questions. If you've seen other hearings where she's participated, she always asks very direct questions. And to me, it's not, it's less about the show and more about the substance. I've been extremely impressed. I'm with you. I'm watching Kamala Harris. I see her. I I resonate with her when she speaks. I also see her being very presidential and I'd love to see a run like that for her. I think that in general, this topic, and we kind of are talking about the political part. I think that this um, main stage, no matter if you're with Brett or if you're, you know, if you stand with Ford, I really think that this is going to turn voters out. I think that we're going to see more voters coming out and Democrats. um, I I think this is just another reason to go out to the polls. And I think Republican women, um, although Stephanie, clearly you're, you're choosing to side with Brett. I think Republican women do not like sexual abuse and harassment, and this is going to bring them out to the polls. You're going to make the case for that. Let's go to Diana listening to us in Muskegon, Michigan. You're on the air. I love Muskegon. Listen, I'm serious. Yes, well, it's raining right now. But anyway, I would like to talk about Dr. Um, and the Me Too survivor okay. because I'm a Me Too survivor. And you don't forget a face. I was nine years old when my mom brought home a police officer she was dating. And he um, was sexually assaulting me in my room. And um, I still remember his face today. And I'm 60 years old. So when... Um, Brett Kavanaugh talks about Very sorry to hear that. his family. Oh, that's okay. I mean, you know, you just move on and you kind of accept it. But with Brett Kavanaugh and everybody talking about how his family is injured, yes, they are. But all like I'm injured. My kids were injured because you always are like extra protective, and you know what I mean. It, it's it's an ongoing thing. So I feel bad for him. But if you're going to run for office, then you should follow judicial process. And, you know, and not saying he's guilty, not saying she's not lying, but let's just do the process. That's all. In your your case, Diana, did you ever share that assault with your mother, the news of that assault with your mother? Unfortunately, I did. And my and at that time, back in those days, she blamed me. But my sister and I went to our local police department and we told them together and they just said Nothing. They didn't do anything. Oh, my God. See, this, I, this story, I believe. I mean, that is th- the story of so many mm-hmm, women. Right. That is why many women and men, I would say, don't go forward or don't come out when there is an assault that, that occurs. I mean, the reality of that, like, I think we underestimate how traumatizing it is, not just the actual assault, but the re-traumatization when you do attempt to go it. to right. the she police or go to an adult, etc. This is the value of, of, of Dr. Blasey Ford's uh, mm-hmm testimony and of her sharing with the world what what she thinks happened. And um, I think that the outpouring of support that she has received from Democrats and Republicans uh, and, and, you know, from many, many women saying this, this, uh, this I personally relate to. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand exactly what she's talking about. Something like this happened to me. I think that I said earlier in the program, an ocean of pain out there. I think there is an ocean of pain out there. 
And I think that's there that is, is thank thank you, caller, and and I think that's a very important cultural contribution of this hearing. Regrettable though the way Diane Feinstein manipulated things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that we need to recognize this, and as a country, well, we obviously haven't done enough to bring people out so they can discuss it. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I, too, had two very specific things happen to me when I was in college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I can join the Me Too movement. And, you know, I understand more than anybody how how it's, you know, burned into your memory. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether or not you have support and friends and police who listen. I've been through all of that. Um, But on the other hand, and I I, I do, I, I... I am one of the first people there to go out there and say there, you know, I worked in, uh, in employment law for a long time. So I understand how sexual harassment works in the workplace and so on. And I understand that there are some really bad people out there and there are, there should be a way for us to, to, to listen to women and do all of these things. But that doesn't change the, the, but I'm not saying that for those reasons we should suspend what we believe is right yeah. for the people that are being accused. And we've seen time and time that there there are, are false accusations. And we need to do the right thing for the right people, no matter how angry and hurt we are. We're going to have to pause. When we come back, we'll let you respond. Diana, thank you very much for your call and for your testimony, uh, uh, sharing it with our audience this evening. When we come back, we'll hear from Omara and the rest of our guests. And we will also hear from Bill Schneider. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you uh, very much for joining us. We're going to hear from Bill Schneider in just a moment. But again, Amara, and you, you wanted to make a final point on our conversation of the last Yeah, second. Yeah, so just thinking about, we, we heard a, a personal account of an, um, a sexual assault survivor. And just thinking about how the hearings have, have gone, what I'm curious or just not understanding is just the human factor. So even for Judge Kavanaugh to have shown empathy Right. So take away all of the political circus, take away everything else. And just to say or to be able to acknowledge that a harm that that Dr. Ford went through a harm as a person, even if he's saying I was not the one, but to be able to show some level of empathy and to not dig in his heels. A lot of the hearing he appeared to dig in it dig his heels in. He appeared to be uh, incredulous that these charges were being levied against him, which I'm not saying he's not justified in feeling indignant. However, to be able to express some empathy, even to say, 
I understand where she has been. I and, and have that show through more, I think would have actually helped him more so than how he comported himself throughout the rest of the hearings. Well, when we continue to say we feel bad about his family, we feel bad about his family. I think I, I don't, it's really hard for me to feel bad that they're going through that. He's looking at having a very high position, a very critical it's position. It's hard for you to feel sorry for his children, daughters uh, you know, and wife. Diana, you know, I agree with what Diana said. She said, you know, um, their family is choosing to serve. And, you know, if his wife and his family is going through a difficult time right now, I don't feel bad. And as someone who's ran for public office, it takes a family to run. It takes a family to serve. And some days you're going to feel like crap. It <laughs> just is what it is. They're below consent. They're, yes. they're along for the ride. I mean, these are nice little girls. Um, I appre- and I have I don't wish this I on anybody. I have four young I, children. And I want to so. say, right, and I, say I, I, I believe that if one goes back and looks at what – Judge Kavanaugh said, you will see his statement is replete with references of respect and understanding and concern for Dr. Blasey Ford, including his reference, when you mentioned the children, of his daughter saying, let's pray for the woman as well. I I, I think that he was complete on that topic, but I understand... We're going to move on. We're going to move on at that point because uh, we have scheduled a guest with an old friend of this program, Bill Schneider, who joins us uh, from Washington, D.C. Bill, nice to have you with us this evening. Good to be here, even from Washington. Very good. I understand you're going to be joining us via Skype. And uh, you are author of a new book called Standoff, How America Became Ungovernable. And I want to talk about that because it focuses on the 2016 election and takes us goes way back to talk about uh, the the elections and and the change in America that led to the election of Donald Trump. But I'd like to begin with a contemporary question, Bill, based on everything that we've talked about in the first hour of this program. Um, how important is this moment? This moment in what we all witnessed last week. How important as a political moment is this in the history of the country? Well, Donald Trump called it a very big cultural moment, and I think it is. I think it's something equivalent to the Dreyfus Affair in France at the end of the 19th century. You know, after the French Revolution, it was said that the left and the right didn't just dream of defeating one another, they dreamed of annihilating one another. Well, we've reached that point in the United States. And the Kavanaugh confirmation has become a real showdown between the left and the right, between Donald Trump and his critics, Uh, not necessarily between men and women. That's been overcome by partisanship. I found something interesting in the polls. The division over Kavanaugh is not so much between men and women as it is between Democrats and Republicans. The partisan division is much greater. And this scandal is not so much a scandal as a confrontation. This confrontation really epitomizes the turmoil and the division, the venomous division of American politics. When you talk about that division, uh, I want to get your assessment because one of the great things that you bring to the to the public discussion of politics is your uh, your ability to to dive into the numbers and and to look at and to make projections about where things might be going. Uh, I made a comment earlier in the broadcast that I thought that Jeff Flake, with his decision, threw a lifeline to the Republicans, trying to bring along Senators Murkowski and Collins, but also looking at the midterms in, in, in hoping to hold in place a lot of Republican women, maybe over the age of 50 women, uh, the age of 50, and that they, they're important Republican voters, and if they feel that this nomination has been steamrolled, 
by the Judiciary Committee, they will stay home or vote Democratic in the fall. Can you, can you just speak to that possibility of where the Republican women over 50 vote might go between now and um, the midterms? Well, women are a problem for Republicans, but they have a much bigger problem. They have a problem with educated voters in the affluent suburbs outside Chicago, here in Washington, outside of Washington, in Fairfax County. We have an interesting relationship right now with the numbers. The better educated you are, the more likely you are to vote Democratic. The, more, the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to vote Republican. So when I tell that to my students, they say, well, suppose you're wealthy and well-educated. Well, then you're cross-pressured. You're pulled in different directions. If you vote your economic interests, you're going to vote Republican. If you vote your cultural values, you're going to vote Democratic. I think the Republicans are seeing uh, a lot of educated, affluent voters who have always been Republican, mostly in the suburbs, fleeing the Republican Party. And it's not necessarily because of Kavanaugh. It's more because of Donald Trump. They started fleeing back in 2016. Republicans are losing their hold on the affluent suburbs in this country. Donald Trump won the election. Uh, we know that. But take, take us back. Your, your book deals with how we got to 2016. Where, do, where, does that, where does your analysis begin? The 60s. Everything begins in the 60s. <laughs> I quote Bill Clinton, who was right when he said in 2004, if you look back on the 1960s and you think they did more good than harm, you're probably a Democrat. And if you think they did more harm than good, you're probably a Republican. Well, that's Bill Clinton versus George W. Bush, two baby boomers who came out of the culture of the 60s. Bush clearly knows that this believes uh, and his experiences they did more harm than good. That's when we first saw a values division in the United States, which has become deeper over time. It did not start with Donald Trump. He exploited the division. He took advantage of it to get elected president, and he's governing by dividing. But the division goes back 50 years. Is there any chance, in your view, to put the genie back in the bottle and move the Republican Party post-Donald Trump back to a different place in time? Or has Donald Trump, is, is his impression an indelible one that's going to take us a 4, 8, 16, 20 years in the future? Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Fide. It's completely loyal to Trump. Even an establishment figure. Brett Kavanaugh is an establishment figure. Yes. Look at the way he was educated. Look at his background. And right. he started out sounding like an establishment Democrat, yes. judicious and wise in temperament. But then suddenly when he was challenged, he became what Donald Trump has been for a long time, defiant. Donald Trump's signature attitude is defiance. That's how he got the Republican nomination. And Kavanaugh basically channeled Donald Trump in his testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, this could change, but it will only change if Trump loses. If he loses the presidency badly and Republicans lose Congress and they look like they're, they're really paying a penalty for Donald Trump, well, politics is very pragmatic. Does they're going to change. Does this set up, in your view, a ch an absolute challenge to Donald Trump for the Republican nomination uh, in 2020? Well, if Republicans lose the, uh, the Congress this year, particularly if they lose both the House and Senate, I think more than a few Republicans are going to be tempted to challenge him. Someone like John Kasich could do it. Uh, right now, it doesn't look very promising. But if, if Republicans see that Trump is hurting them, if the party is losing and they lose a lot of their clout in Washington and in the states, 
most of which are now Republican. They could lose a lot of ground in the states this year. If it looks like Trump is damaging the Republican brand, yes, you'll probably see a challenge to Donald Trump emerge in the Republican primary. Chris Roebling joins us. He is a, a Republican commentator in Chicago. Go ahead. Uh, Bill, it's good to be back on the program with you. Uh, I just Thank want you. to say I, I want to ask you to address frustration. Frustration, uh-huh. which I believe is at the source of the defiance, right? And so there are folks all over the world and certainly all over the country who have been frustrated by the lack of what they consider to be common sense solutions. And so you have a border, a border, but it's a porous border. Or you have programs, but they're very wasteful. You've got pensions, but they're turning us into a bankrupt nation with bankrupt states and bankrupt municipalities. What, where do you see that frustration in the equation that brought about Donald Trump and which has begun to transform uh, the, the Ronald Reagan Republican Party? Well, that's a very interesting point. People are frustrated. They're frustrated because politics is supposed to be about problem solving. But you know what most Americans believe? And I've been studying public opinion for decades. Most Americans believe that politics is the enemy of problem solving, that the reason we can't do something about climate change or about the national debt is that politics gets in the way. They want to put politics aside. That's exactly why they fall behind leaders like or figures like Ross Perot in 1992, Donald Trump uh, in 2016, neither one of those men were are politicians by profession, by background. So the view was they could put politics aside and just fix what's wrong. That's what Trump proposed to do. You know, I always have people in an audience who will say, you know, government should be run like a business. If we run like a business, there wouldn't be any any politics in it and we could solve problems. People believe there's no politics in business. Well, you know what? There's a reason why government can't be run like a business. Very simple. Business is not a democracy. Business is not a democracy. So Trump is finding it very frustrating to run government, he believes, which should be run like a business. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, a little bit more about your book and also look ahead to uh, how the Democrats have evolved over this period. What, what were they doing and what should they be doing now to sort of uh, act in a corrective way over kind of missing the boat and missing the signals that Donald Trump was able to ride to the White House. Bill Schneider is our guest, uh, and we will talk with him via Skype when we come back. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We're talking to Bill Schneider. He's author of a new book called Standoff, How America Became 
ungovernable. And uh, Bill, uh, I want to get your thoughts on what the Democrats have been doing uh, while while Donald Trump has been organizing and, and bringing himself to being elected president. Were the Democrats really asleep at the switch? Well, look, the, the Democrats are trying to figure out what to, where they want to go from here. Look, Hillary Clinton lost, so Clintonism no longer has much of a hold on the Democratic Party. Uh, the left is very active now. They claim that they've been justified, that Clintonism doesn't work, Democrats can't govern from the center. Many of them regard Bill Clinton's presidency as somehow flawed or sometimes even a failure, even though he ended with great prosperity, but Gore couldn't get elected after him. So Democrats are trying to pick a road for the future. Look, I think about 30 Democrats are going to run for the Democratic nomination in 2020. It's going to be a crowd. You're going to have to have four levels of debates every time you have a, a primary debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, the left is very active, but I'm not certain they're going to take over the Democratic Party mm-hmm. because the Democrats are going to have to make a choice. Do they want to present a Democratic Trump, somebody who uh, imitates Trump's temperament, a fighter, someone who's very tough and aggressive, or do they want someone who can bring the country together? Who would That's, be the who would be the closest person on the horizon? that you think is uh, sort of Trump-like, at least as far as temperament and, and bringing it? Is it Michael is Avenatti. It, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there's, no, there's no question about that. that. He's there. <laughs> and what about, what about Bernie Sanders? Does Bernie Sanders no, still have the, the fire in his belly to, to deliver the message, even though he's going to be four years older than he was when he last ran? He probably has the fire in his belly, but number one, he's not really a Democrat, and a lot of Democrats resent that. Uh, The one who might be running to take up the mantle of Bernie Sanders is Elizabeth Warren, Uh, and she has indicated she's thinking about running right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know that she could really unite the Democratic Party. I don't know that she could beat Donald Trump, but she is thinking about it, and that's one road the Democrats can take. Uh, uh, Alexander uh, Eidenberg is with us. She's a Democrat. She's got a question or comment for you, Bill. Bill, before you joined us, we were actually talking about Kamala Harris, and I would love to know what you think of her as a candidate running for president. I think she's been very engaging and watching her. You know, she's a great senator. What do you think about her as a candidate? Well, I don't know that much about her, even though I vote in California. uh, I I haven't really observed her for that long. Uh, She, of course, is a minority. She's a woman. She seems very talented. The question is, can she be the alternative to Donald Trump that voters are looking for? In any election... Voters want someone to give them what they want that they're not getting from the incumbent. Uh, and, you know, uh, Obama was the un-Bush in 2008, the opposite of George Bush. Trump is certainly the opposite of Barack Obama. No one could be less like Obama than Trump. So you have to ask, is Kamala Harris someone who can be the very different from Donald Trump and bring the country together? I'd urge a word of caution here. We've had four presidents in a row before Donald Trump who promised to bring the country together, and they all failed, every one of them. The first George Bush said he would be kinder and gentler. He was fired after one term. Bill Clinton was a new Democrat, and the third way, he got impeached. George W. Bush said he was a uniter, not a divider, but the country ended up being more bitterly divided than ever. And Obama said there's no liberal America or conservative America. There's just the United States of America. Uh, And he got a a Tea Party rebellion. So promising to unite the country is something that lots of leaders have done, including Democrats, and no one has succeeded at it. Does that mean that a political civil war is inevitable? Or do we already have one of those? 
<laughs> well, uh, you know, I had a student once ask me in class, is this the most divided we've ever been as a country? And I said, you know, young man, we did once have a civil war. Three quarters of a million Americans died in that civil war. I'd say, you know, this is nothing like that. But this is probably the most divided we've been since the Civil War. And I just saw a poll the other day that showed one-third of Americans say they believe a second Civil War is going to break out within the next 10 years. That's very serious. Bill Schneider, Chris Roebling again. I just I want to advance this theory and see your reaction. In the post-war excess and the sort of growth of our economy, we had two parties. One was Democrat, one was Republican. Democrats said, we need a lot of government. And Republicans said, oh, no, we need just a little bit less government than what the Democrats are saying. And that worked as long as we had the expansion of our economy and our, our dominance in the world. But at some point, we got to the limits of growth, et cetera, and money became a lot shorter, scarcer. And at that point, the Democrats kept saying, we need more government, we need more government. And the Republicans took the opposite tack and said, no, we're no longer going to be the echo, not the choice. What we're going to do is propose a government that is actually going to be less intrusive in the lives of all Americans. Isn't that the origin of the current uh, vituperation that we now we don't have two in the same direction? We've got two that are diametrically opposed. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's about government or economics at all. I think it's about culture. What we have in this country is a division between what I call in my book the old America and the new America. And this is a division over values. Uh, debates over economics, which dominated politics, you're right, after World War II until the middle of the 1960s, those debates are debates over interests. Interests like business versus labor, those things can be compromised, even if it's a debate over government. How much government should we have? More government, less government. Those are divisions of interests. You can negotiate them. You can make a deal. Well, the problem with values, which really emerged for the first time in the 60s, is values are matters of right and wrong. There are issues like religion and religious liberty. Those kinds of things can't be negotiated. You can't make a deal because they're matters of right and wrong. And today, the polarization is between the new America that's emerged really since the 1960s, lots of new constituencies, including not just immigrants, but working women and gays, and the old America, which defends its traditional values right. that Donald Trump now represents. Yeah. And that's a division over values. And you've also got a situation which was different in 2016. Uh, once upon a time, an election was held. There was a winner. There was a loser. The losers were upset. They licked their wounds. They went out and organized for the next race. But they never became, or they became the opposition party. But they never became the resistance the resistance is a term used around the world against the incumbent government, and the Democrats have never gotten over the fact that they lost the election. They, they either don't acknowledge the specific mistakes that were made by their candidate, who I thought was very weak, and again, uh, it's, become a, it's become a nonstop campaign in America, which again leads to uh, screaming and yelling on both sides. Bill, I thank you very much. The title of the book is Standoff, How America Became Ungovernable. Bill, nice to have you with us. Also, thanks uh, to Amara and Alexandra and Stephanie and Chris for your assistance in our great conversation this evening. Uh, Dan Dorfman and Dylan Plowkey and Chris Wick made this program possible. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. If you look hard enough, 
go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's work, weekend update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. <laughs> 